0: The title of this series is called Wake Up and Work Out. And it comes um, from a verse we're going to take a look at in a moment. Now, as I told you, I went to youth camp. And a uh, good thing about it, because I only stayed Friday night, and didn't stay last night, just able to pack up a little small suitcase and go. And uh, last night when I came in, you know, I had a lot of work to do on this message and stuff, and I was tired. and. And so when I came in with that suitcase, I just slung it in the house. I mean, slung it in my room, right? Didn't bother to unpack it because I am just rushed last, last night because of that, which, which is good. And uh, there are clothes in there. There are other kind of items in there that I need, and they do me no good just sitting there in a suitcase, unpacked, okay? When you got saved... God gave you something incredible. May I use the expression, he gave you a spiritual suitcase full of riches, full of everything you need to live this life um, in the way that he intended you to do. Jesus said, I don't want to just give you life, eternal life. I want to give you abundant life. That is Life in all of its fullness. And when you got saved, he gave you that divine suitcase full of everything you need to live the way he wants you to live and experience everything he wants you to experience in your life. Uh, May may I say it this way? Uh, If you learn this, it's going to jack up your life to a a whole nother level if you learn uh, what this passage is, is talking about. So... Like I said, um, uh, we, uh, I remember pre- preaching on this passage in preaching class, and uh, my preaching professor, when I, uh, when I told him, uh, unpack, you know, what God's done to you, he said, ooh, I like that. <laughs> Appreciate the comment for the preaching professor, okay? Um, anyway, but that's, that's kind of the idea with the passage that we're going to look, look at here. But the Bible doesn't call it unpacking it. When you got saved, you got the suitcase. The Bible doesn't call it unpacking it. The Bible calls it working it out. And so on your uh, outline in your uh, bulletin, everybody got a bulletin this morning? Okay, we got your bulletin. All right, look at the scripture verse there, and you'll see the the uh, our main verse there. Philippians 2, 12 through 13. Work out. Out. that's where we get this series work at, wake up and work out And it doesn't say uh, it doesn't say work for your salvation. It doesn't say work on your salvation. It says work out, work it out what is in there now when you got saved you got to work it out you've got to unpack what God gave you when you were saved with fear and trembling that means this is serious business. You've got to humble yourself before God as you do this. But then, oh, I love this promise. God's got a good deal for us. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Okay, now, I'm going to show you kind of where uh, the overview again of this series. We said that there are three things you must realize in order to work out what God has put in you. In order to unpack all you have now in Christ, we said out of this passage, first there is God's presence in your life, for it is God who is at work in you. And remember last week, if you weren't here, or, or if, if, you were, if you were here, remember we said that the way that God revealed His presence in the Old Testament is totally different than the way He reveals His presence now in us, the believer. In the Old Testament, he appeared in human form to Adam and to Eve, uh, to Moses, uh, to Abraham. He would appear in the Bible says that Moses would speak to God as a friend to a friend, you know, and and God saw God's presence, and God would reveal Himself through angels, His presence through angels, the um, the pillar of fire by night and the cloud by day, and. All the the visions and stuff, that's the old, that is the way God spoke primarily in the New Testament. But guess what? God did something better. He came and he walked on this earth and 12 guys especially got to hang out with Jesus. I think that's a, it's kind of like Jesus' Sunday school. He had 12 members in this Sunday school class and he discipled them for three years and they got to hang out with God. Isn't that amazing? Got to eat with God. Got to pray with God. But you know, the, the, the cool thing is this, that when you and I get saved, the Bible says that we have a spiritual birth. The Spirit of God now comes in this age inside the believer. And when you got saved, whether you realized it or not, and I didn't realize this when I was a 10-year-old boy, I had no idea what happened to me as a 10-year-old, but Jesus came in me. The Bible says... This is the mystery that's been hidden from all the ages, which is Christ in you. So if you're saved, Jesus is in you. And if you're going to unpack your salvation, so to speak, what God gave you, um, uh, when, the moment you got a saved, you've got to understand God is in you to help you do this. Okay. So we talked about God's presence in your life last week. We're going to talk about this today. God's purpose for your life, all right out of this passage we read, both to will and to work. What does God want to do in your life now? To will and to work. To unpack what he's got for you now, okay? Then we're going to talk about God's pleasure from your life. Why, why is God wanting to do all this? For his good pleasure. So let's go back to where, what we're talking about now, okay? Here we are. God's purpose for your life. And uh, I might be a little bit clumsy with my computer doing this, okay, Uh, as I look at this. All right. Now, notice he says here in that passage that I gave you on on your uh, bulletin, it says he does two things. He's in us to do two things, to will and to work, to will and to work. Now, when it says he's in us to will, do you know what that means? God puts in us, if we're saved, a burning desire to want to do the will of God. How can you know you're saved? It's because you want to please him, because you want to do his will. He changes your desires. He's, God is in us to will, okay, okay? Now, you may backslide and squelch it, but deep down inside, there's always the Holy Spirit saying, you need to be doing God's will. You need to be doing God's will. So God says, I'm giving you the desire to unpack your spiritual suitcase. I'd put it in you. You have the what I call the I can't help it, okay? If you're saved, you're, you want to open that suitcase up and unpack it. And then it says, and and he's in there not only to will, give you that desire, he is able to give you, uh, he says, to work. That work, that work, that word in the uh, uh, Greek is the word energeon, energeon. We get a word from that in, in English called energy, okay? And what is energy? Energy is power. And so when God saves us, he gives us new desires, One of those desires is to do His will, which is to unpack that spiritual suitcase full of all the things that we need to live the life, and He gives us also the power to do it. That's a pretty good deal. I mean, He's given us everything we need to do that. This is not an impossible task. You've heard that expression, no, this is an impossible task. This is not an impossible task. You just got to know it, and you got to put it into practice. Now, I like, uh, I, what I did now is I put that same translation of those uh, uh, verses, uh, especially verse 13, and I put them in different translations, okay? This is why I like using different translations, because it helps bring out kind of some nuances of the meaning, and it helps you interpret it. Look at Philippians chapter 2.13. Remember, we're talking about God's at work in you, To will and to work. Okay, let's look at these uh, different various translations of this verse. First in the uh, TLB, what's is today's Living Bible. For God is at work, where? Within you. Helping you want to obey Him. And then helping you do what He wants. Here's the New Living Translation. For God is... Working in you. That means he's working in you this morning. God is at work. For God is working in you, giving you the desire to obey him and the power to do what pleases him. That's a great translation of it. Uh, This is another good one. The CEV, that's the Contemporary English Version. God is working in you to make you willing and able to obey him. Then the TEV, that's uh, today's English Version. Uh, that first one was the Living Bibles. Uh, TEV is uh, today's English version. Because God is, I like this, always at work in you. That is once you get saved. To make you willing and able to obey, watch this, his own purpose. Remember, the, the focus of today's message is God's purpose for your life. So God is there. He's in you. He's giving you the desire to do this. To live for his purpose, and he's given you the power to do this. So we may ask, <clears throat> we may ask the question what is God's purpose for my life? I mean, you, Brother Jeff, you're talking about God's purpose, and God's in us to uh, give us the desire to do it and the power to fulfill his purpose in our life. What is God's purpose for my life? I know the answer. I know God's purpose for your life. Okay, there's two levels of this purpose, all right? First of all, there's what we call God's general purpose for your life. This is what God has revealed in Scripture, and it's for every single believer, okay? So this applies to everybody. God has a general purpose that he wants for everyone on this earth, all right? Even lost people, this is what he wants here in this first one. He wants us all that you uh, would be justified. That's God's purpose for your life, that you be justified. Now, that's a theological word, but it's a biblical word. This is not just fancy seminary talk. This is a biblical word. You need to know it you may already know it, or at least have an inkling of what it is all about. Now, I wrote beside this, if you take notes, I wrote beside, this is a one-time event. Justification happens at one time, and only God can make you justify it. This is a God-alone event, okay? It's a one-time event, and it's a God-only event. God, only God can do this to justify you. Synonyms for the word justify are to be saved, to be born again. But this is a word that the Bible used, so we need to understand what does this word justified mean. Now, sometimes we come up with these cool Christian cliches, and some of them are pretty good, helps you remember it, but there's one definition that's been out there that is partially true. And some people say, well, here's what justified means. It means that when God looks at me, when I get saved and God looks at me, it's just as if I'd never sinned. Okay? And, and that's kind of a cool way to remember it. But that's only half of what justification means. To be justified means. To be justified also means not only does God not hold my sins against me anymore and declares me not guilty anymore, he also means this, that he, big big theological word, Steve, he declares me righteous. It's what the Bible calls imputed righteousness. It is a righteousness, when I get saved, not only does God say, Jeff is no longer guilty, when I was 10, Jeff is no longer guilty, I am putting my righteousness into his spiritual account. There's an old hymn that we sing that has got the best way to say this. Um, Rock of Ages, cleft for Me, remember that? And it says this, be of sin, the double cure, save from wrath, and make me pure. You see that? So justification means more than just save from wrath. It means not only has God to save us from wrath, he makes us pure. He puts his righteousness in forensically, so to speak, into our spiritual account. Um, Now, look at what the Bible says and how this is his desire for all people. All people. I don't believe Jesus just died for some. I believe Jesus died for everybody. And look what the Bible says in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. I'm glad it doesn't just say for God loved the world. It says for God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son, literally that means his one-of-a-kind son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There is doctrines now, and it's, pretty, uh, it's prevalent in the Southern Baptist Convention. I would say one-third of Southern Baptists probably believe this. They believe that Jesus died only for the elect. They believe that Jesus died only for a select few of pe- pe- people and uh, that he did not die for everyone. Well, listen, why, if Jesus did not die for everyone, why did he look over Jerusalem and say to them, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I wanted to gather you together to me, but you would not. They made a choice to reject the goodness of God. I believe Jesus died for everybody. Then look at 2 Peter 3, 9. Um... The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise to return, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to perish. So he is giving more time for everyone to repent. Don't you sometimes just wish, oh, Lord, why don't you come back? Please come back. Lord, what are you waiting for? (laughs) You know what he's waiting for? He's waiting for more people to get on the lifeboat. Jesus Christ, we're on a sinking ship, this world. It is the Titanic. We are going down, but Jesus is the lifeboat, and He wants everybody, He wants everybody to be on that lifeboat. Not everybody's going to be on that lifeboat, boat, boat, <laughs> but he wants everybody there. Look at 1 Timothy 2:4. He wants all people to be saved and to learn the truth. So what is God's will for your life? The moment you're born, God, well, God's will has always been there since eternity past, but in a practical sense in your life, God's purpose for your life is that you be justified. So you know what? That's why we pray for those kids. And that's why we pray for others here and some other people that I'm working on, praying that they be saved, be justified, because salvation is not something with something that you have the capacity to do. Salvation is something outside of you. You have to be declared not guilty and declared righteous at the same time. That's called justification. It's like two sides of a quarter. All right, now here's the next thing. What is God's purpose for your life? Now, after you've become justified, here's the secondfold uh a uh, 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 second of this threefold thing that I'm showing you, is that you be sanctified. That you be sanctified. Have you ever noticed that uh, um, a lot of churches they will call a place like what we're gathering called their worship center? That's now the modern cool word for that, the worship center. You know, I guess it's because the way I've always grown up, I've always called it the sanctuary. Do you notice what that? it has that same prefix to it s a n c a sanctuary what what is this this is a special room we set aside to worship god it's a different kind of room and uh, so it it, it cracks me up sometimes the sometimes some of the youth you know a lot of them are so unchurched background they'll they'll say uh uh yeah i remember one time uh we were down there in that What's that big room we meet in? I said, the sanctuary. <laughs> they don't know what to call it, but you know they know there's something different about that room. And God says, when, once you get saved, now he wants to make you different from everybody. Not weird, but different. Um, now, as justification is a one-time event, sanctification is... It is a process that begins once you get saved. It, it, it has nothing to do with whether you're going to heaven or not. That's justification. This has to do with whether you're going to be obedient to God and let God make you into his son's image. That's the, the, the simplest way to d- define sanctification is this. This is God's process to make you more like Jesus. And it is a lifelong process. Um, think about uh, this. I used to be you know an art major, and I was not really good in in school. I was good at art, obviously, but i didn't I didn't like uh, I didn't like school. I mean the whole time I was there it was like, "Why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? You know why do I have to learn algebra? why do I have to learn English? Now I regret it, you know. But back then I' was like, "Why are we doing this? I'm just feeling out busy working. Get give me my degree and get out of here." And to some, to some uh, I mean I understood it more in Bible college and seminary, but still there was this part of me that was like, "Get me out of here. Get me out of here. Get me out of here." But um, one of the things that I actually excelled in in school, believe it or not, when I was in college, when I studied art history, started st- studying art history man I just I loved art history and it just caught me and so I began I just did really well in art art history just aced that with flying colors okay and the professor asked me I was the art professor's assistant but he asked me there is a girl here from Iran and she really has trouble learning would you tutor her in art history and so I I met this little girl from Iran precious little girl and um Sweet as could be, and uh, so we. Uh, now this is when I was not even walking with the Lord, but but anyway, I I, I gave her some flashcards. We made up some flashcards, and I quizzed her on it, you know. And I help I helped her, and one of the things, and so I got to know all these paintings, these famous paintings, the era, the time frames of different art, uh, Baroque and. Uh, all, all these kind of things and uh, period and the um. But one of the thing one of the things that I remember is the statue of David. And I had tried to do I, uh, some pottery in art class, and I did okay with, with pottery. But to look at what used to be just this big block of stone to be chiseled away and polished into an absolutely perfect figure of a man up there on on that stone. It started out as a block, it ended up in the image, clear image of a man. When you get saved, guess what? You're just a blockhead, okay? (laughs) You're just a big block. And what God starts doing once you get saved, God begins to take the old chisel out. And begins to chisel away everything about you that's not like Jesus. And he does it all of your life. And until you become fully mature, and this is what we're going to talk about here, but he's always going to be chipping away at you. Everything that's not like Jesus. That's what sanctification is. Now, unlike salvation, God alone does that. I mean, justification. Sanctification is a joint deal. It is God giving you the desire to do it and the power to do it, but just because he gives you the desire and the power to do it doesn't mean you avail yourself of that power and the desire. And so what you've got to do is now you've got to cooperate with God for this to happen in your life. See, some of you, you know you're justified, but you've not moved on to the second thing of really letting God, deep down in your heart, mature you and sanctify you, set you apart. I wrote down, uh, uh, how does God do that? I mean, how does God sanctify us? Okay, You you can just listen to these. You won't have time to write them down. And what is our part God's part is to will it in us and to make it work and give us the power. But here is our part. This is how we cooperate with God. we got to practice certain spiritual disciplines. Remember the title of this message? Work it out. Okay? I wrote these down. It is the discipline, first of all, of spending time in His Word, studying it, and meditating on it, okay? So it starts off, if I'm going to grow, the Bible says it's milk, it's meat, it's the vegetables. The Bible's the whole buffet, and you got to start eating. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So I've got to go to God's buffet table every day and eat from it. That's the Bible. And graze in those green pastures as the psalmist said, okay? That's a discipline I need to develop every single day. And I'll help you. If you don't know how to do that, I'll help you, okay? Come see me. Uh, I'll give you a plan, and easy plan for that. And then there's another discipline that I'm supposed to practice, and that is um, to pray each day and to worship God each day. And I remind you, one of the greatest ways you can worship God, turn you on a go- gospel album. Uh, turn on one of these things. You, man, you got everything you need to on your smartphone, YouTube, or something. Just play play one of those songs and sing along with it in your heart. You don't have to sing out loud. We don't want your dog barking, going, You know, <laughs> just, just sing it, sing it in your heart. The Bible talks about singing and making melody in your heart. Um. You can take a hymn book. I don't care. We've got enough hymn books. You can take one home if you want to and just read some of those hymns and sing it. We need to do that. Then uh, there's public worship. Uh, this, is a, this is a discipline. This is something you have to do. Now, God's not going to float you down here. You've got to choose to do this, to be here. And then obeying Him, what He tells you, trusting Him with your needs, and then letting God take the circumstances in your life, the good circumstances, the bad circumstances in your life, and use it as his chisel, chisel to shape you to be like Jesus Christ. I like this. This is God's chisel right here. Romans 8, 28. Take a look at it on your, in, your, in your outline. And we know that God causes everything, the good and the bad, the pain, the tragedy, the great times, God causes it to work together, not by itself, but together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. What is His purpose? Verse 29. For God knew His people in advance and He chose them to become like His Son. God's purpose is He chose us to become like His Son. And the first way He does that, He justifies us. But then, and only God does that, but then He sank, uh, we need to be sanctified, and we do that as a divine cooperation between us and God as we practice those spiritual disciplines, and his, He gives us the will to do it, and the desire to do it, and the power to do it. Okay, next. God's purpose for your life is that you would be glorified. That you be glorified. Now, as justification, if you're saved, that's a past one-time event. Sanctification is what's happening now if you're a Christian and you're cooperating with God. But glorification, or to be glorified, is a future event. And it's going to happen either at the rapture, when we're raptured up, or it will happen if if you pass away before the rapture, God will glorify you. And it also is a one-time event. Remember, justification, one-time event. Sanctification, cooperation with you and God. Glorification is a one-time event that God does and perfects his work in you. Uh, Jay's, uh, one of Jay's uh, favorite verses, I've got it in my office, a picture of him, and he said, uh, for, you know, for I'm convinced that... Uh, it, it, I wish I could quote it. Hold on, I tell you what, I'm just going to go get it right here. So y'all just, y'all just chill for a minute, and I'm going to pull it right out here so I don't misquote it. All right, here we go. Where is it? Oh, here we, go. here we go. That would not be good if I came out and said, oh, well, I can't find it. All right, it's a picture of Dr. Adrian Rogers holding him when he was a baby. And because uh, we, right after he was born, you know, Jay's mother worked at Bellevue. And so right after Jay was born, we took him to... Uh, dr rogers office dr rogers came out Isn't that amazing you go to dr rogers office and he had comes out dr rogers there's something important out there you need to see so so he comes out and he's holding jay right there when he is a baby i mean that's a to me that's as big as billy graham holding jay you know what i'm saying because i uh, oh mean he was a, and so uh um and then i've got a picture here i, don't, I forgot if i showed you this But it's a picture of Jay standing in front of the Pacific Ocean in Nicaragua. He went on a mission trip with me to Nicaragua. And I happened to take that picture just off my iPhone, put a little watercolor wash on it like that. And I titled that picture, A Bright Future. Because I know God justified Jay when he was six years old. And I know he's being sanctified. He's growing close to the Lord. He's becoming mature in the Lord and got a heart for the Lord. Praise the Lord Jesus for that. And Jay's favorite verse is this. He just chose it on his own. I didn't say, hey, how about this for your life verse? Here's his life verse. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, justification, he who began a good work in you, will carry it on to completion, sanctification, until the day of Christ Jesus, glorification. Isn't that cool? And so... um, Uh, Anyway, that, that verse that he chose reminds me because it has all those three things in it right there. So, the moment we see Jesus face to face, he is going to instantly transform us and make us perfectly in his image, and we will be sinless and holy. Uh, Look at what the Bible says in 1 John 3, 2. Yes, dear friends, we are already God's children, and we can't even imagine what we will be like when Christ returns. But we do know that when he comes, we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. The Bible talks about now... We we see in a glass darkly. I mean, we we see Jesus in our hearts, but it's still kind of veiled like that. But when we see him, we'll see him with full eyes and we'll be transformed immediately into his image, perfectly in his image. Now, here's another thing real quick, and this is the end. Um, God's specific purpose for your life. You see, it's God's will that everybody be justified. It's God's will that once they get justified, that every Christian be sanctified. And God's purpose for your life is that one day you'll be glorified and you'll have a perfect body, perfect mind, um, and you'll be in His perfect image, the Garden of Eden re- restored. But... There are specific things God wants with your life. You know, Horseshoe Bend was um, uh, overbuilt. Whoever the developer was, hope they weren't related to you, decided to build all the roads (laughs) first before he developed the houses. That's not good planning, okay? Because 80% of the roads in Horseshoe are desolate, okay? But usually what a developer does is he lays out a plan of all that he wants to generally do, do there. You know, we're going to put a pond here. We're going to put a swimming pool here. We're going to have a tennis courts here. We're going to have, a, you know, uh, uh, all these kind of things, a uh, golf course, whatever. Now, I'm talking about in a fancy subdivision. We're not talking about my subdivision, okay? But developer lays out a plan. That is his general plan. But then... As he's developing, um, a, a, that, that is his plan right there. But then he has somebody else comes along and he works with them architects, a specific plan for your house. And each house is different. The general plan is the same for everybody. But the house has different plans and floor layouts and different kinds of cabinets and flooring and all those kind of things. God's general purpose, that's like the development. God's spe- specific person, it's what's God wanting to do in your in your life. Look what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's workmanship. Now I like that. That means God's working on us. Do you know God's working on you? He's working on you through this sermon this morning. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance from eternity past for us to do. You know, I told you about uh, Remy and how Remy said, you know, I just need to get, I mean, it popped out of the blue. I had no idea this was in his heart. How he said, you know, I really feel like God wants me to get more serious about my relationship to him and start serving. You see, God's revealing his specific purpose for his life. I believe, I told Gail when she told me that, I believe that Remy has the spiritual gift of helps. Now that he's getting serious about God, you know what he's going to do? He's going around going, can I help you? Can I help you? Can I help you? Can I do this? Can I do that? See, that's a God-given gift. And so he's discovering God's specific purpose for your life. Now, you may not be a preacher. You may not be a Sunday school teacher. But God has something he wants you to do here. And in this life, God has a specific purpose for you. And it's your job, listen, it is your job to wake up, see this, and start working it out, what God put in you. Let's bow.